Broadcasting from the wine country in California, this is the Kick-Ass Relationship Show, where intimate secrets and modern advice for couples is shared to elevate your relationship to live sexier, happier, and to have way more fun. We believe success in life is better when mixed with excitement and love. And now, here's your Kick-Ass Relationship Coach and best-selling author, Midori Verity. happy to have you here. And today I am just thrilled about the topic of our show. We are going to find out what men really think. Because I don't know about you, but there have been so many times where I am talking to my husband and I'm thinking, what? That makes no sense. His response to me makes no sense. I don't know where he is coming from. And I really do think that he could be from Mars. And I've had these similar situations when I've talked with other men. So we are going to gain some clarity today. And my guest is fantastic, and he's very open. So we are going to be talking with Rabbi Bregman in just a moment. But, of course, we are going to start with three minutes to thrive. Today's topic is a hot topic, and it is my response, my my tips that I'm going to give you are going to be controversial. Not everyone is going to agree, but as you all know, I always deliver straight. I don't sugarcoat anything, and my decisions and my recommendations are always done on based on 30 years of being with the same person, but also on what I have seen be the most effective. So here we go. So the topic of today's Three Minutes to Thrive is what to do when your relationship is erupting, and there seems to be no solution at the moment. So here's where the controversy comes in. My recommendation is to actually leave. Stay with me on this, everyone. Stay with me on this, because I have five specific rules to go along with this when you do leave. And also, my other part of this is that I'm not saying leave and go file for divorce papers. That's not my point. Studies have shown relationships where there is a lot of toxicity and a lot of unhappiness and a lot of arguing and fighting shows that for the children, this is very detrimental. And it's more detrimental to stay in a long-term relationship like that than to leave. So what my solution or what my suggestion is, is to just kind of take a, it's more of a break is what I'm saying. If this is your first time deciding a big, taking a big step into this, my my suggestion is to take a break. So that could be just leaving for an hour or two or leaving for a couple days or leaving possibly for a month, depending on your situation. Here are my five rules to go along with this that are very, very important. So rule number one, go by yourself. This is not a time to go hang out with your girlfriends and to say how horrible your partners are or for the guys to go get some beers with with your friends. This is a time to reflect and really think about what is going on. So that's rule number one. Rule number two is to think from the mountaintop. I talk about this a lot. Get a mountaintop view. I want you to reflect on what's going on, but from a much higher standpoint, don't micromanage. Don't get stuck in the nitty-gritty. Really dig in and do some soul-searching. What is going on? Number three, and I talk about this game that I want you to play in your head and don't take any offense to this, but think about how is it my fault? Play that game with, your, with yourself. How is it my fault? Think about what your responsibility is in the situation. Are you not opening up your ears enough to listen? Are you always responding the same way? Are you constantly responding with more negativity than is necessary? Are you following a certain pattern that needs to be changed? Think about that. I am not saying this is anyone's fault, but when you use this as a game, it really helps to gain some clarity and to take responsibility, which is very important in a long-term healthy and happy relationship. Number four is to write out the pros and cons of your relationship. Think about the future. 
if you did happen to leave, what's it really look like? What's it going to be like when it comes to holidays? What's it going to be like when your partner shows up with somebody else? What's it going to be like for your children? What kind of effect is this going to have? And do you still love your partner? Is there still something there to save? Write all of that out and get a clear view. Number five, write down and think about what needs to change to make it better. Be very specific. What are kind of your hard rules? What do you need to see that that happens? Maybe your partner um, came from a difficult upbringing and those issues are recurring now. There is a lot to say that you have had great times in your relationship. If there's still love there, this is an opportunity to step up as a partner and support your partner and help guide them through, but help them see it with clarity and be their support system. That's why we get married. That's what the beauty of all this is. And sometimes we just need that guidance. We need to be each other's partner and support system to get through. So I know that this was a deep conversation um, today, but hopefully it helps some of you have a better idea of what to, to help someone help help you get through this or to help someone else with. Okay, so without further ado, we are going to get into our interview. And I am interviewing today Rabbi Shlomo Bregman. He has such a digital, large global impact um, with media outlets such as Huffington Post and Bloomberg Radio who regularly referred to Shlomo as the Jewish Tony Robbins. Did you guys get that? That's how big this guy is. He is known as a Jewish Tony Robbins. He's also a matchmaker, an entrepreneur, an author, an attorney, and, of course, a rabbi. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm uh, honored to be here, and um, I've been looking forward to this for a while, so thank you. Good, and I've been looking forward to talking to you. You have such great energy, as I told you before. But today's topic, we are we are digging in, and, and I just forgive me, but I always jump in right away because I want to get to the nitty-gritty. We want to find out what men really are thinking. So my first question to you, in your opinion, what are the biggest non-physical differences that you have noticed between men and women? Uh, the biggest non-physical differences? Right. Ooh, sure. Well, sure. So obviously when we just have a discussion like this, we're going to be speaking about, you know, in terms of generality. Um, some of men uh, exhibit, um, let's say, many times people who are sensitive to relationships and spiritual energy speak about it sort of on a scale of polarity, um, sort of on, a, on an energetic level. Men, generally, some men are more masculine uh, and exhibit traits that are more typically masculine, and some ladies are more typically more feminine on that kind of on a scale, and, and a lot of people fall a little bit more towards the middle, somewhere in between. Um, so for starters, I would say one of the biggest non-physical differences is their primary emotional needs in relationships. I would say that, generally speaking, most men with whom I deal uh, whether it's in men, or they're dealing with their fellow men or women, they're very concerned with their honor, their recognition, the esteem in which they are held. In general, most of the women that I help with matchmaking, my wife and I help with relationship counseling and the like, are more interested and concerned with being loved and esteemed. Uh, so I would tell you for starters that much of the day-to-day -day conduct of men is in pursuit of activities that will add to the honor and esteem in which they are held in the world, whereas a lady's primary needs in general in a relationship is to be loved. And um, if we would get nitty-gritty, and I'm just trying to give you a little bit for starters, I think there's many examples on how that plays out uh, in the workforce, uh, in relationships, at home, their style of argumentation, and where they choose to pursue their passions and put their energies. Yeah, that's... I love that you explained it that way. And again, all of this is generality, so don't take offense to any of this, anyone. We're just kind of getting some guidelines because there are often similar differences between men and women. They're just, that's just the way it is. And you mentioned something. You talked about men, honor is really important to them, and esteem. And I've seen that 
with a lot of my couples who come to me, especially if the husband or the male has lost his job. It is mm. devastating for on so many different re, on so many different levels. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. And I just want to take a second since we since I did my three minutes to thrive and what that topic was about. This is where being in a relationship can be very very important and help you get through issues and challenges quicker. In that, and we're just talking about you know losing a job or or something where it's. Um, a nick, a nick in your in the armor. Men take it very personally, and so as the spouse, if you can support them and help them come up with a way to think about it differently, it can be a win-win. It can be more of a positive outcome. Have you experienced that, Dr. Um, Rabbi Bregman? Sure. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, most men uh, want to be a provider and uh, feel great about that role, to be able to provide for their, for their wives and for their children, and they take a lot of pride in that. When, there's, when they're laid off, or there's a change in the marketplace, or they got fired, or a deal doesn't close that they were working on for a while, um, obviously that can hurt a man because he generally takes pride in such a thing. Um, I, in my general experience, um, men... Um, are concerned deep down, even if they don't verbalize it, which is a classic guy thing, that perhaps his wife doesn't look up to him the way she used to, or she's going to think that he's not pulling his weight, or the chief area where in his mind he believes he's going to be adding value to this relationship, he's become, you know, enfeebled. So I think that most men are happy to receive advice, perspective, out-of-the-box thinking, a kind word and a boost, but uh, they're very sensitive to criticism, you know, at this at this time. So I, I think that in general, um, married ladies should be uh, circumspect and careful that if they offer advice and perspective, uh, it should be to say, you know, I believe in you. We're going to get this turned around. Um, you know, you're going to land on your feet. We're going to get something better. Don't worry. In a way that builds up. Um, and doesn't point out what the man may or may not have done wrong uh, by omission or commission, which led to him not being able to be the provider right now. Right. And you brought up another good point during, you know, when you're explaining all of that, and you talked about verbalization. Sometimes men have a challenge verbalizing their feelings or their thoughts. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, Men, men are men. Generally, if they're if they're having those feelings, they, in general, are more. I don't know. If it's cultural or or what level it comes from, but it's more often processed within. Right. So, what are some suggestions that you have to help men help men open up more and express their feelings so that things can be resolved easier? Sure. Well, I mean, so in general, for for men to be able to open up more and share their feelings, obviously, I would say for starters, it begins when a person develops that muscle and builds up that relationship communication muscle when there's not a crisis and there's not a problem. Um, when a person becomes more fluid, it's like a muscle. You know, you become stronger in that communication muscle as to sharing your day, what happened with you, what's on your mind, what you, not just giving over the words of I went here, I did here, this, and so on and so forth. But if you're opening up and you practice that in general, it's a lot easier to do at a time of, of crisis or difficulty. Ultimately, I think men and women need to realize that if they find themselves being closed in communication, whether it's because they've had bad experiences before or that seems to be their nature, it's something that they're going to actively have to put attention on because it's impossible to bond and connect to another person without opening yourself up to some level of vulnerability. Within the Jewish tradition, our texts speak about that there has to be a cutting away, um, so to speak, of oneself in order for there to be even a place for someone to get glued to you and connected to you. And all forms of connection 
and real synergy occur when one person makes themselves vulnerable to another. So it really has to do with basically putting your energy and your mental focus on stripping away and allowing yourself to be exposed. Otherwise, we all walk around like turtles in shells, and there's no real place for our spouse or our significant other to latch on and connect with us. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I like that, that you actually cut part of yourself out so you can open it up to allow someone new to come in. And, and let's be honest, when you become partners with somebody, especially in marriage, you both become someone new. It's like stepping into a new, not only a new stage, but a new person. That's that's what what it's all about. And it can be fantastic when you allow the process to, to occur in a supportive, in a supportive yeah. way. And we've seen it happen when it's not so supportive too and so you brought up some good points in that you said practice that muscle that communication opening up muscle when you're not in a stressful um, situation like an argument or a fight or just getting laid off you want to be working on that beforehand and you know even playing games where I do I my husband and I do this sometimes where We'll just play games, and you have to you have to answer the question. You have to use honesty uh, when you're answering the question, and we can get pretty deep, and it becomes fun. So, you know, making it into something that's um, not scary and practicing it more and more really is an exercise that will help you in the long term. So, thank yeah. you for sharing that. Sure. If I could, if I could piggyback on that, uh, something that might be helpful for your listeners. Um, Within within my tradition, in the mystical writings, a man is compared generally to a line, like a line. And the symbol of a woman is a circle. And what happens is if you put a line and a circle next to each other, it looks like a one and a zero adds up to a ten. You have a complete, perfect entity. But men, in general, are more linear. I'm trying to get from point A to point B with my goals, and that actually has an impact in their communication style, right? So what happens is that, in general, men, what are they really thinking? When you ask to communicate with them, in general, they only wish to communicate that which has a point. So a point means I'm trying to convey information, or I'm trying to move an idea of mine further along. I'm trying to get from A to B. That's the main reason men will open up their mouths, whether in relationships or otherwise. A lady who is more symbolized by a circle, which has continuity, uh, is more symbolic, in my belief, of, of ladies' communication styles in general. Um, my wife and, and most women um, are often, often are happy to share how they are feeling um, and open up, and it doesn't have to have a specific point or end uh, in the way a man views it in his mind. The act of simply opening up and sharing many times makes a lady feel better and more connected. So, you know, men, I would say in terms of what are men thinking, when they hear women communicate, in my professional experience as a matchmaker, and I've helped counsel so many couples, they need to understand that women are not necessarily communicating in order to convey a specific point or decision or conclusion, but the act of opening up and sharing is, is a very healthy feeling for her, and, and a man needs to become comfortable in receiving that. Sometimes, I'll tell you this, men often lose their patience, uh, whether it's the end of the day or at another time, because they don't think that what their wife, for example, is communicating has a point. It absolutely does have a point, and it's vital. It's just not necessarily as A leads to B leads to C in the exact same way as a man may classically think so. Right. Okay, and I have the hugest smile on my face because that just makes me giggle inside because it's so true. It is so true. Women can just sit there. We can chit-chat about all kinds of things, and men just kind of look at us like, really? (laughs) And it just there's a commercial about that, or there was a commercial a couple years ago where the late the wife was on the phone and she was saying, and they were talking about minutes, using up all your minutes. She's like, oh, 
I could just talk all day long about nothing. And the husband just like rolling his eyes, and you could see the dollar signs going around in his head. But it's so true. It makes me laugh. But also, to that point, you know, often as a woman, and I'm guilty of this, I will bring something up to my husband, and I'll say, you know, it'll sound, I guess, it'll sound like it's a problem, um, and then he tries to fix it. He wants to give me a solution, but I don't want the solution. I just want him to listen, and that is another area where I feel like there's a big uh, misunderstanding between men and women. Have you have you experienced right. that? Oh, my gosh. Um, now I'm the one here with the big smile on my face. Yes. <laughs> so that men as fixers uh, in their communication, that's just simply a man relating to what's being communicated to him as though it was coming from a fellow guy, from a man, right? So when somebody, when a man calls me on the phone, whether it's a law client of mine, a matchmaking client, a consulting client of mine, somebody in the media, the first thing I think of is what do they want? And I don't mean it like in a battery, like what do they want? I don't know, I mean literally, you know, yeah. the, the person is at A and they want B. So what do you, they want? And I'm going to, if I, I'll either give it to them or I won't give it to them or I'll tell them where to get what they want. So we get to the point like a real fast. Um, somebody, so somebody called me today from Forbes. My first thought is, what does he want? But I didn't mean it in a bad way. Like, what does he want? No, like, literally, what problem is he having or need that I could fix? Like, that's what I'm thinking, right? Um, so men need to understand that that is a very annoying and curt form of communication in general when it comes to speaking to your spouse. Uh, because they may not necessarily uh, be asked. The words may sound to a man's ear as I'm having this problem. How do I solve it and resolve it? But if a man conveys, here's a good trick, right? If a man conveys his solution to a lady, yet she's continuing to express that there is a problem, lo and behold, it was not a solution that she was after, per se. Many times it was just wanting to be heard yeah and i think you know and i it's also okay when someone is expressing themselves to say okay are you looking for an answer or are you looking for me just to listen and that just takes away all the anxiety and the confusion by just asking that it's okay it's not offensive and you get straight to the point yeah exactly exactly so yeah so I think that's a very useful tool, and uh, I love the way you articulated it. Great stuff. (laughs) Well, thank you. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about women and and what men feel about this. So for, for many women, our appearance is important, and we try to keep ourselves up. We work out. We eat right. We try to dress our best. But, you know, like for me when I was younger, I don't do this anymore, but when I was in high school, to go out, it, I sometimes would take two hours to get dressed. I would try yeah. on everything and then finally go out. So tell me what's actually, what do men really care about when they see a woman, especially in matchmaking? I know you're, you and your wife um, help couples get together. Is sure. the appearance that, you know, just you explain it. What, 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 what goes through a man's head? When they're meeting sure. them. Yeah, well, um, well, whether it's, whether um, through my matchmaking service, I'm suggesting you know, a, a person to another person online or via email or via website or people are meeting them in, in person, generally, almost everybody wants to be attracted to the people that they are meeting. And most people, even though they'll grant you that, sure, once a person opens their mouth, they could be more cute, less attractive, more appealing, less so. Most people understand that, but at the same time, there's a general expectation most people carry that they should just, uh, you know, when they see somebody in, in person, in the flesh for two seconds, or represented in pixels, you know, on a screen, that they want to feel attracted. A key difference I would suggest in my experience is that men are more likely to just pass judgment on a woman um, if she looks, they might just say she looks good or he thinks she looks good or she doesn't. 
she's pretty or she's not. She's hot or she's not. Like, it's just a general pronouncement in the man's brain with this, you know, broad, this broad brushstroke. Like, that's what it is. Ladies in general, in my experience, are more likely to say, I am, oh, I like his style. He has a great smile. Um, those are cool shoes, you know, and to sort of pick apart, you know, those little kind of things. But in general, many men, or most men, want their lady to, you know, look to them what considers looks good. Um, I think not only they enjoy that for themselves, certainly if they're going out um, to be next to a woman they consider to be attractive in public, uh, raises the esteem in which the man is held, uh, if not by society, certainly in the man's head about himself. But um, I think the way the different genders parse it and break it down is a, is a key difference. Yeah, you know, I appreciate your honesty there. I think it's important for us to, under, you know, women to understand really what men are thinking. And here's the other thing that I talk about, and this is probably another controversial thing, but, you know, I never shy away from the controversial um, issues. But as a woman, to feel confident every day, the, and what I have found is when you are confident, it makes you more attractive, and men, men and women notice it. Have you? Can you tell? Like when you see a woman, you might see a beautiful woman, a model, but she might be have extremely low self-esteem. And then you see another woman who maybe you know, by by book rules, she may be a little bit um, overweight and whatever. It may be not as physically attractive, but she carries herself with confidence, and therefore, it attracts the eye more. Have you? What's your What's your aspect on that? Yeah, I, I think you're completely on the money. Um, I think, without a doubt, um, I, you know, I think once a person begins to reveal who they are, their attractiveness score can go way up or way down. Um, you know, we live in a society where we are extremely visually stimulated and sensitive to visual stimuli, you know, stimuli all the time. And I think that's just part of it. Um, in general, um, I urge my clients to give people a chance because what happens is that, like, let's say you're a matchmaker and I want to suggest a certain man for a woman with whom we're working. So I know that she's, for example, looking for a man between the ages 35 to 42. He has a great career, financially stable, and I know this guy's making like 180000 a year, right? She wants a guy who's never married before. He's never married before. She's 5'8", and she needs, you know, wants a guy who's taller. The dude is 6'1", okay? She wants somebody who's down to earth and who doesn't want to be a, a wild person, wants to get married. I know him personally. This is the man, right? So I could suggest him to her, and sometimes a lady will write back and say, thank you for the suggestion, comma, I'm not attracted, period, and hit send, right? And right. I think that's an enormous mistake because, look, I get it. You didn't think he was a, a hunk, you know, from his pictures that I sent you, but he certainly didn't look badly. You just, you know, you just, you're... Your, your your animal instincts weren't inflamed by his pictures. Could I ask you to talk to him on the phone? If you see what a sweet person he is and how smart and what a gentleman, could you have a phone call, right? Because the sooner we allow people or encourage people to give people a chance, at least at that level, I'm not talking about the lady who gets dressed for two hours, right, to go out on a date. You know, I'm just saying, could you, could you talk on the phone for 15 minutes? Because I know if you could... If you could talk to him on the phone, you know, you'll, I, you'll think he's a cutie pie and you will want to get together. So this is, this is what I would, that's what I have to say on the topic. I think the confidence could be a factor. And when we're trying to help people, um, I think, who are seeking relationships, we should encourage them to consider what's on the outside, but at least give people a chance to open their mouths and find out the beauty within Totally agree, and especially for couples who are with, with individuals who haven't found the right person, 
Whatever they're doing isn't working. So that's why one would go to a matchmaker, right, to find someone who maybe might be more fitting for that person. So I like that you asked them to at least talk on the phone. So we are going to come back in just one, actually two minutes. We are going to come back and talk more with Rabbi Bregman about how to get through to men. So stay tuned. And now it's time for Simple Success Tips with Swami, the intuition guru. And today, Swami, you're going to be talking about how to take actions to thrive versus actions that block us. I hear about this all the time. There's, I, I know for me, there are moments where I'm like, gosh, I feel like I just have this block and I can't get over it to where I want to be. And if I could just shove that block out of the way, <laughs> I can all the success. I hear this actually a lot, but I know it happens in my own life. So Swami, guide us here. How do we do this? Sure, Midori, it's a pleasure. Really, the master key to get over the block is to ask whatever it is I'm going to need to do. It's for the highest purpose. I might not even know what that is, but something bigger than myself. It's going to help my family. It's going to help my community. It's going to help my clients. It's something that just aligns me and that gets us out of our own way. And then the next thing that comes along, we may hear something, we may see something, somebody may call us, there may be a, something on the TV that's on, and it just, holy cow, there's the answer. It can happen that quickly, we can get the solution. It might be that we go to sleep, we wake up the next morning, and the solution is in our head. So step one is, whatever this is, help me with something for a higher purpose. And step two is, turn on your awareness, see what the answer is, how does it come to you? Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I know that is so valuable. And and we've experienced that before in our own lives, but we didn't realize what it is, but now we have the steps to do it. Thank you, Swami. Pleasure. If you enjoy this, if you want to know more about intuition and developing that muscle, guess what? Swami and I have heard you. We get these questions all the time and we understand the importance of it. So we have come together and we are in the process of developing an amazing weekend away. It's going to be in a kick-ass spot and I'm so excited to tell you more and it will be coming But if you are interested in meeting both Swami and myself in person and having a breakthrough weekend where we just change your lives and help you create that thriving relationship and that thriving life, then simply email me, midori at midoriverity.com, and I will get you that information. All right, till next time. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with the amazing Rabbi Bregman, a.k.a. the Jewish Tony Robbins. In case you weren't here in the beginning, you didn't catch that. But he is known as a Jewish Tony Robbins. He is here with us right now. This is a big deal. But we're having a lot of fun learning about, really, what men and women what goes through our head, because sometimes it can feel like a foreign language, but having some clarity and some understanding can really help us with our communication and with creating that synergy that we all really want. So it's been fantastic. And right now, we are going to talk about how to get through to men more effectively. So Rabbi, how can you guide us here? What are some ways that we can, if we aren't if our if our guy is not listening to us or the, or they're not accepting what we're saying, give us some advice here. Sure. Well, um, I obviously everything could vary by the situation and the you know and you know so and so you know you said at the top of the show that a person should uh, be self reflective and say what you know what what am I doing wrong here? What can I do better here? So sometimes um, a man seems like you can't get through to him. But it's nothing wrong with the guy. It could be that the lady is communicating to him in a way that seems critical or insulting or putting down his self-esteem or his honor, right? So that's never going to work if a lady's speaking in that kind of way. Um, if a person is instead coming from a, an angle of let's be collaborative, we're in this together, 
and let's see how we can get to a solution, that's usually a far more effective way. You know, um, most men, like women, like most human beings, don't want to be told, you're wrong, I'm right, you know, I things can't move forward unless you give me this big apology. The more you try to make a man wrong, it diminishes his personal sense of self. It's, it's, and it's, you're putting the person in a corner that even if they want to move things forward, whatever the issue is, it's harder to get through to them because you're asking the guy to fall on a sword. So I think the best way to get through to a man, and we're speaking obviously you know, in a very generic, you know, imaginary case, is to help him understand that you getting what you want will help his, him and his linear thinking get what he wants. And if it's viewed as a collaborative way on how do we move this forward together so we as a couple win, we thrive, we're both getting what we want and need and we're both understood, I think that's the general ambit and rubric by which a man is most likely to hear. Okay, that is huge. That is huge what you said in that if you really want to get your guy to do something differently, don't make him wrong. You said it. Those were your words. Don't make him wrong. And that's such a simple thing to do. So let's, let's role play a little bit here. So if I come to you, if, if you and I are married, and I come to you and say, ah, will you please pick up your towel? You leave it on the ground all the time, and it's disgusting. What's going to, what would be a typical response from a man? I mean, he's, look, either he's going to you know, have some comments back, or he's going to say, you know, I was working very hard all day. Maybe I worked harder than you. Why didn't you pick it up? Or if you walked past it, why didn't you? Or don't you know how many other things I have to do? Or these are That's all how it starts. That. That's how that little simmering of that argument right? starts. Am I right or am I right? Come You're on now, so right? right. You're so right. Yeah. Okay, but then now let's, let's make some magic happen right now. So instead, if I came to you and said, Oh, my gosh, look, your towel is on the ground again. But I'm going to pick it up because I think you're awesome, and I know that you've been working so hard, and, I, you know, I just want to help you out a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and pick it up so when you use it again, it smells nice and fresh because I love you. Okay, there was some cynicism in there, some sarcasm, some sarcasm but I was saying it to be kind of funny, but, I, I mean, would he respond better to that? Yeah, I think I think that I think that's better. Another one that I think would work, you know, fairly well also, is since you love me so much, can you do me a huge favor? Can you please pick up your towels off the floor? I know it seems to you like silly and I'm nitpicking, but just put it in the category of things that are really important to me and score a lot of points. Happy wife, happy life. Oh, I love that. You know what you should do. You should have an app, a phone app, where you give these little tidbits of how to respond effectively, and mm. you would make a million. You'd make millions. That was mm. really good. Okay. Hey, listen. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to GoDaddy.com and start looking up uh, what's what's the URLs are for sale afterwards. You know. Yeah, there you go. And I want to cut because it was my suggestion, but I think that, you know, yeah, so you often, especially when we are really upset, it's very, and I, I'm speaking about myself here, but I've seen it so many times with others, that when we're really upset, we have a tendency to say things with fire coming out of our mouth. So instead mm. of saying it where there's more purpose to it and we've really thought it out, so that we aren't upsetting someone and so that it is more effective, we come out a little bit strong. So sure. if we had an app where we could just refer to it and it told us how to say it, that would solve so many problems. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. If I can just add a general overarching uh, uh, concept to how to get through to men, I think we'll also apply on how to get through to women. And that is, in general, you want to communicate with people, and this could be a work, and it could be a coworker, uh, from an angle of agreement. You always want to stay in agreement. You know, I is via one of my companies, Bregman Success. I do sales training for individuals, sales teams, corporations on how to sell more, move more product, get more deals done. 
The first rule of sales is agreement. Stay in agreement. Don't make the buyer wrong. Don't argue with them. And you show them two things, and one is black and one is white. They say it's purple. you got to stay in purple, right? So, you know, like agreement moves things forward. When you start with disagreement, um, you know, you're going to have a problem. So when, if, we, if we start out trying to get through to our man, whether it's picking something up or getting them to help us on a Sunday, you know, or spend time with us, if we're coming from a perspective of something we agree on, then there's a much greater chance that anybody's going to listen to you. But if it starts from uh, criticism, criticism is another form of disagreement, it's not going to work. It's that since we love each other so much and we agree that our relationship is our number one priority, can we please do something fun on Sunday? You know, <laughs> That's way more effective because you're coming from a perspective of agreement, right? right. Um, but if it's, you know, you never, oh, by the way, let's, Let's talk about this one. When you come at a guy, you want to know what men really think at the topic of your show? You come at these men with you nevers and you always is. Oh, my gosh. First of all, <laughs> 99.9, let's be honest, it ain't true. It's factually not true. And the guy's going to go, oh, what do you mean I never take you out? And then he's going to take out his phone and remember the dates and the times that you did go places, and he's going to try to make you wrong. So you come at the guy with well, you nevers, you know, or you always do this. You always leave your socks on the floor. Really? Always? You know, what about the one they took off this morning? You know, see, that was on the floor, right? So, right. Or, gotta, or they come to you yeah. and they say, okay, well, you give me examples. Tell me all the times that I did it. And then you're put on oh. a spot where you're like, oh, darn it. Right. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's a loser already right there. Like, literally, the agreement is far off the rails and in a ditch, and it's going to take three tow trucks to get it back on track. Yeah. So that's what happens when you start with the, the exaggeration in the communication. Yeah, and so just keeping it as simple. If you remember one thing from this show, start with agreement, not disagreement. Start with agreement, and you will be much more successful in, in all aspects of your life, right? With your kids, with your spouse, with sales, it's, it's all the same. So Absolutely. I love that. Okay, yeah. so we're going we're gonna to move on to my favorite part of the show where we play a little game. Doug, do you have our, our game music queued up for us? Okay, so today I just got this new game. I was at the store shopping for gifts for the holidays, and I got a new game called Table Topics. And have you ever seen this before, Rabbi, where no, the table no, topics? No, I, I never saw it before, no. They're really cool. And so they have all kinds of questions that are really about discussion. And so I pulled out a couple that I thought would um, be interesting. And since you are a rabbi, I just I have to ask you this question. Are you ready? I'm, I'm sitting here with bated breath. Fire okay, on. good. When's the last time you needed to consult your moral compass? When's the last time I needed to? So you want me to tell you what it was and when? Yes. When was the last time I needed to consult my moral compass? Um, I would say... Um, maybe as recently as yesterday, um, and I can tell you the specific context. Um, there are many times in life where um, contract law or standard business practices dictate that you don't owe someone anything. However, um, because I try to answer to a higher authority with the H and the A in caps, right, in capital letters, um, what society allows or tolerates or permits or normal business practices or contract law or the courts, that many times, even though that's what most people are going by, to me, that represents the floor below which my conduct can fall, but I'm aiming for a higher ceiling of how to treat people and to do to others as I wish would be done to me. So um, I would say that was the last time, and that was yesterday. Um, and in business... Uh, you have to you have to always do a gut check if you want to keep a good reputation. It's true, and to be able to wake up with yourself the next day and feel good. So absolutely, totally. Yeah, I think that's that's 
Great. Okay, so my next question for you, if you could spend a week with any hero, who would you choose? Any hero? Um, Well, what I would say, if I could spend a week with uh, any hero of mine, I would probably wish to spend it with my grandparents uh, of blessed memory who both passed away in the last couple of years, um, if I could have a double hero. Um, but because I learned, I grew up um, living just a few miles away from my wonderful grandparents, and they were like another set of parents to me, like parents A and parents 1A and 1B. Um, and I miss them very much, and I gleaned enormous wisdom from them. They came, uh, they, they basically were born in America at the turn of the century and lived uh, to, the, like, uh, to the hundreds, um, and they saw a lot. Uh, and I wish I could spend more time to continue to pick their brains and minds and hearts uh, and to garner ancient wisdom, time-tested wisdom on how to deal with all the modern stuff I have to deal with. You know, and I think it's important. My father's turning 85 um, in, a, in about a month. But to remember to appreciate them when they're here and to take the time to, to, you know, we all get so busy. So many of us have kids, and we're working, and we're volunteering, and we're doing just tons of stuff. But to really take some time and hang out, hang out and listen to them and learn their stories because they won't always be around. So I'm glad that you brought that up, and I think that's a great, um, a great reminder for all of us. Okay, my last yeah, look, it's, question. It's, it's, tre- it's trendy to answer uh, this president or uh, – I don't know, the CEO or whatever, but uh, that's the real answer. I, I, I know plenty of famous people, but uh, it, it, that's, that's really who I wish I could spend more time with. And I think it's a great answer. I think it's a great answer all the way around because, again, it's a good reminder. But also, they have so much wisdom. You said your, your grandparents lived till they were 100. So imagine the wisdom that they gained in that lifetime. Amazing. Yeah, if you, if you, if you live from 1910 to 2010, I mean – for goodness sake, how much they saw, you know? They've seen a lot. They have seen a lot, and they may know a little more than you and I. So I think that's fantastic, and congratulations to them for for having so many wonderful years here. Okay, so my yeah. last question to you, I'm going through these and just trying to figure out which one I want to ask. And uh, Let's see. If you do something good because you think you will be rewarded, does it count? <laughs> that's a, that's a terrific question. Um, so what I what I would say in general is that I personally believe that there are rewards in this world and rewards in the next world. Um, I generally find that uh, life on this planet is often thankless uh, from human beings, and one of the quickest ways to get people to not appreciate you or to be ungrateful is to do something good for them. It's interesting. In Hebrew, um, ingratitude is called kviyasatov, which means literally covering up the good someone has done for you. When people do nice things and kindnesses for you, it often it reminds you that you're not completely independent. You are reliant on other people and that sometimes in life you're a receiver and not just a giver. So many times that shatters the notion that people have inside that they don't need anybody and they don't need anything and they can just do whatever they want, right? So right. And they're independent and self-made. So therefore they want to cover up with ingratitude. So I believe that the general rule is that, uh, that God ultimately rewards everyone for every bit of good that they ever did, no matter how small, but we should operate in a way that we try to live up to our best version of ourselves, but don't expect a lot of thanks in this world. Well, there you have it. You just said it so well, and that's a good reminder for us. As you know, and when we do those things that we think, "Wow, we're going to get so many brownie points," and then it doesn't happen. That's just life. That is just life. So this whole interview has been so much fun for me. You have just given us fantastic nuggets. So now I feel like I understand my husband better, and I will try to speak from agreement more often. It won't happen every time, but it is going to 
happen more often because I'm going to practice. So I appreciate all the tips and the suggestions that you have shared with us. And so for the audience, you know, I said in the beginning, you do a plethora of things from being an attorney to being a rabbi to being an author to being a matchmaker. So how can people get a hold of you and find out more about you? Sure. Well, uh, you know, we, we know each other even uh, from off air. You know, I'm a, a friendly, nice, kind person, happy to help as many people as I can, officially or unofficially. So um, if, if a person simply looks me up, Googles me, or on any major platform, you should be able to find me. So my website is rabbibregman.com, R-A-B-B-I-B-R-E-G-M-A-N.com. If you plug that into Google, you should find me. And on every platform, I'm there. So facebook.com forward slash Rabbi Bregman, youtube.com forward slash Rabbi Bregman. I have 400 videos. Um, my full name is Shlomo, S-H-L-O-M-O, Zalman, Z-A-L-M-A-N, my last name, Bregman. If you punch that into Google, you'll find more stuff than you know what to do with. So um, I'm not too tough to reach, and uh, I'm, a, I'm your go-to Jew. The go-to Jew. You heard it here. I have him on the show. Perfect. And as always, you can just go to my website, MidoriVerity.com. That is where all of his information will be. In case you didn't catch all four of those, is it four? Did I catch that? Four different, four parts of your yeah. name. It will all be one, there one is, for you. One is too close to none. <laughs> it's easy to find. Okay, perfect. So this is our new date. We have changed our date and our time, and I hope that you are enjoying this. But always, you can find out more information about the re- – you can get the replays and my Three Minutes to Thrive and more information about upcoming guests on Facebook, which is at Midori Verity. And, in fact, just like Rabbi just said, that that is my, my handle for everything, Instagram, for Pinterest, for Twitter. It is at Midori Verity. So I look forward to seeing you next time. And as always, we end with a little bit of gratitude, attitude. So remember, tell your partner one thing, just one thing every day that you appreciate about them. And to re- and remember to come from agreement. There you go. All right, you guys, until next week, have a great one. Thanks for listening to the Kick-Ass Relationship Show with Midori Verity. We hope you've enjoyed the show and want to share the love by passing on our web address, midoriverity.com forward slash show to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous shows. This has been a Midori Verity International Production. Join us next time on the Kick-Ass Relationship Show to add passion and fun to enjoy the most extraordinary relationship and life.